Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space and welcome to episode number 145. My guest in this episode is Dr. Jen Gunter. Jen is an OBGYN. She is a New York Times contributor. She is an author of the upcoming book, The Vagina Bible, as well as the soon-to-be-released television show, Jensplaining. She is on a rocket ship right now. All of these things, these incredible moments, events, this culmination of so much hard work, they're all kind of happening at the same time. And it was really special to have Jen come and join us on the show to discuss the process by which she got to this point, the process by which she has become this incredible spokesperson and comes to a place where she is releasing a book and a TV show at the same time. She's as great as you'd hope. If you follow her on social media, you know how much fun she is to read and to listen to. And this episode is just fantastic. It was a total treat to speak with her and to gather insights and expertise and just get a sense of what this all feels like, what it all looks like. And to really get under the hood a little bit around her process in creating all of this incredible content, this important book, and what looks to be an amazing television show. For those of you who may be listening to Explore the Space for the first time, welcome. Please check out the archive for the podcast at www.explorethespaceshow.com. If you enjoy this episode, you're going to love the archive. There is so much great content, all of these incredible speakers doing wonderful things, coming on and having these important conversations. So definitely dip through the archive. It's all evergreen stuff. Take a look around and enjoy. You can find me on social media. I'm very active on Twitter at ETS Show, also on Instagram at Explore the Space Show. You can email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. And Explore the Space is on all of your favorite platforms. For download, please subscribe. Please leave us a rating and a review. It really helps the show out. Delighted to have all of you, whether you're a new listener to the podcast or you're coming back for more. It's a total treat and it's an honor to have you. It was an honor to have Jen on the show as well. This is a really special episode. So without further ado, Jen Gunter. Jen, welcome to Explore the Space. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. We have uh, come to an interesting place with what you have been doing, and for me as an outside observer watching this happen. And so I am excited to jump right in. Do you feel like your world is, I don't know, is it, it does it feel like it's aflame? Do you feel like the brakes on the car are failing? Do you feel like the roller coaster is just taking off? Give me, give me an analogy of what, what feels like is happening with the book, the TV show, the Twitter, the New York Times. Where are we? Um, well, I feel like everything, it's kind of weird. I think to an outside outsider, it looks like, um, like a lot of maybe like organized mayhem, um, or a lot. And it is a lot, I should say, but this has been growing organically over the last eight or nine years. And so I've chosen, I've only chosen things that sort of fit with, I felt like my mission or who I was. And so I, I have been very selective about my choices. And I would say that, um, I did a five-year OBGYN residency where I routinely worked 100 hours a week. I mean, where I went to residency, we even had Saturday school. So I am used to large volumes of work coming at me. I'm, I'm not saying that's how it should be at all. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying I'm, you know, that that's how I want other people to have to do their training. But, but this idea of having sort of a lot of stuff uh, coming at me is. I'm feeling a little bit like residency a bit. I'm pulling on that skill set. <laughs> I like that you put the workload of residency training and obviously being an attending for a long time, you've worked hard doing that alongside of this idea of your work taking almost a decade to come to this place where we feel like we're reaching some sort of an apex and it also being mission driven. Because to me, what that says is this is not happening by accident. This is earned. And that there is recognition of need and there is demand and that your body of work intersects with that. Does that, does that land right with you? No, it's very flattering. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. I mean, a lot of people, I do get approached by people and say, oh, hey, you know, I'd like to write like you do. And, and I say, well, you know, how long did it, you know, physicians? And I'll say, well, how long did it take you to become a doctor? And you look at your undergrad and your medical school and your residency. And I mean, that's about the amount of time, you know, I've kind of put in getting to this point, you know, in my writing. 
interests and my advocacy and work. And, and just like when, when you go to medical school, you know, when you start at the beginning, you're like, have some general ideas, but the more you move along, the more ideas you have about what you want to do. And so that was basically the same thing for me. I was sort of interested in sort of more just like global, I guess, medical advocacy or how to make things better. And as you start doing more things, you figure, okay, well, this is a need here and this is a need here. And, oh, I, this is an undiagnosed problem I didn't know existed. And I need to work on that. Like, you know, like a wellness sort of came up really while I was starting all of this. So, you know, that was unanticipated, but, but I feel uniquely poised to, to attack or address. So, yeah, so some, a lot of it was, was really thought out, you know, how, how can I make a difference? Um, how can I make a difference and also enjoy myself as well? This idea that you mentioned again, and I I just want to keep on this thread of being mission driven for a minute, because I feel Mm -hmm. like that perspective, right? Being mission driven got you through a really difficult residency where the demands of time, energy commitment are really high. And you and you got through, and you have had a great career as a physician. You keep that mission-driven approach. You keep that level of focus and intensity. Do you feel like, and I think that there's lots of good writing and bodies of work around this by lots of scholars outside of medicine, do you feel like that's been a main driver now of your level of expertise? And I choose that word carefully because you use the term, I am the expert. Do you feel like that's gotten you to that place? Yeah, I mean, I think definitely, you know, knowing what you want to achieve in anything, I think is is really useful um, because then you have a target. But I also think too, it's it's always good to be fluid and open to things. What you know, where are you having the greatest effect, yeah. uh, and and thinking about that as well. Uh, but also the idea that came along as I was working on different things was, you know, some of the things really do align very well with, with kind of my mission and some things just sort of interest me. And I wanted to write about those too, because I like to learn about different things. The, I mean, the underlying, underlying mission is still communication, but I also think, you know, if you're just, if you're just talking about one thing all the time in one way, you know, people, people like, People like different approaches and variation, and, right. and so you know, I think there's part of that. And you definitely give a a potpourri of takes, <laughs> of of hot takes, of 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 new takes, of fresh stuff. But you do also then circle back to your key messages, and I think that in doing so, and I'm curious to know if again if this was intentional. We've talked on this podcast a fair amount around the culture of celebrity, and the absence of such a culture in the world of physicians. And we've had people on the show where we've said, if we had that same culture of, you know, people magazine, they're just like us and they're taking pictures of some actor, you know, putting gas in their car, you'd be in that a list. <laughs> we, 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 we'd be taking pictures of you putting gas in your car saying, Hey, look, it's Jen Gunter and her car needs gas too. Um, yeah. But my point with saying that is that we haven't really done that yet. And I feel like one of the most interesting things that you're doing is you are creating that where the celebrity nature, recognizing that our culture likes its celebrities, enjoys its celebrities, enjoys that idea of sort of elevating people, you're doing that, but your mission is not any different. And that is exceptional. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, I don't, I know... People have started calling me a celebrity, and of course, you know my kids think it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> my kids, my kids keep me so grounded. Yeah. You think I have hot takes? You should hear what they say to me. <laughs> very pithy, very. I mean, I, who knows where they got it from, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but but it's good. It's good to have people that know you so well that just keep you grounded. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Do you ever borrow their hot takes? Do you ever say, "Listen, that's delicious. Can I use that?" Oh, I have. Oh yeah. my gosh. My son, Victor has sometimes some of the pithiest takes me 16 and, you know, um, and, uh, and I was, and I always ask him, like, can I use that? And he'll be like, <laughs> that's awesome. He'll look at me and be like, what are you talking about? But sure. It. I love just, it. You know. <laughs> um, and, and then my, my son, Oliver Tucson has has some, he has more like hilarious takes. They're kind of, they're different kinds of humor. One has broad humor and the other has pithy humor. Um, but yeah, I don't, so I don't see myself as a celebrity. I, I mean, I, I do my own grocery shopping. I put my own gas in my car. I, right. you know, I do all those things, but, but I am mindful that, that 
I may have perhaps a celebrity like footprint. Um, and so that's why I don't do any work with pharma. And, um, you know, I really just, I'm, I really don't have any of those links um, because I think that I just, for me, that wouldn't work. It's not mission driven, right? It doesn't keep with your message. And let's get to some of those hot takes. Let's get to some of the things that you do. And obviously one of your big projects that's going to drop in Canada, not in the United States yet, Gensplaining gets into this idea of wellness culture, the wellness industrial complex. There are physicians who have become celebrities, but they have not stayed mission driven. And we, we kind of, we kind of drop them like a hot rock. I, I'm not interested in listening to them. They don't represent me. They don't represent my profession. I like that what you're doing keeps the patient at the center which is mission-driven. It keeps the ideals and the ethos of the profession of medicine at the center, mission-driven. It's, hey, it's the Jen Gunter show. Put a spotlight on me and pay me. And I like that. So yeah, I think that when I think about all those things that you've said and my mission, I think at the core, you know, what I want people to have are facts. And at the core, what I want people to have is informed consent. And so when I'm using all these different platforms, like, you know, Jen's planning or my book or blog or the New York times or wherever else I'm writing, I, that's always like at my mission, like the central core is how am I going to get a, a fact out to people and how can they then use that information to make informed choices about their bodies and and so you know if if I'm just really you know if it's sort of this kind of celebrity medical thing that doesn't fit into that for me I mean it can't first of all you know if you're associating with you know if people are paying you to promote their product well there's bias you know that's like Gunter's number one rule of looking up health information online if they're selling you the product you can't you can't get information from them yeah. so so I certainly can't be part of that but also nobody is helped by telling them that drinking apple cider vinegar is going to do anything for them except ruin the enamel on their teeth you know <laughs> yeah and, and then also, I mean, there is a lot of, especially with like the wellness industry, once you start partnering with them, they have such sort of their DNA is very shared with anti-vaxxers and other medical conspiracy theorists, right? Like the anti-fluoride people and the, um, and the anti-vax people, there, there are fear sells products. And so, you know, if you want people to buy supplements, you have to make them afraid of medicine and afraid of other things. So, so even if you say, well, yeah, I'm not partnering with pharma, but I'm going to partner with this wellness person, or that person, well, you know, they have their roots in, in things that are harmful to patients. Okay. So right. I just, you know, I, I don't want to be associated with that because I, I always, at the core think about, well, what if I'm the mom trying to get information for my kids? And I've been there, right, with, with my kids being very ill. Like, I don't want people selling me junk. I, I want the facts so I can make a decision. So that I'm always at the core thinking of myself when my kids were really ill and the ICU or when my son was having heart procedures. Like, what would I want? I, I really want to know the truth. Your transparency around your personal journey is very informative for other people. And then I think this idea that you just said, this idea that fear sells products, you know, I feel like a lot of the, the organizations, entities, people that you have said that you've sort of put yourself uh, as the antagonist and said, this is incorrect. I am the expert is around this idea where they are leveraging that fear. And it, it's, it's a vacuum that we have left on our own. And we've talked about this topic on the podcast as well. We are not getting in the profession of medicine, our best and smartest forward. And that vacuum then gets filled because people still want that information. So then we come again to what you're doing, because in parallel, you're stepping into that space, which is a hard space to step into. And you're doing it around subject matter that I think you'll be the, you're the one that's helped me to understand has been taboo slash poorly understood slash not properly taught slash educated about, which is female anatomy, female sexuality, the vagina, all of these sort of things where women are obviously targeted with a lot of this wellness industrial complex stuff. Let's start with that concept. And I will frame, I'll answer the question in a lot of ways. Cause you answered it last night on Twitter. You responded <laughs> to Esther Chu's question. What are you really good at? You said two things. I am fearless. I know everything about the vagina. I said, well, I don't even want to have a podcast with you now. Like, we're done. <laughs> 
Well, I think, yeah. I mean, so it's really this idea that, you know, when I trained in medical school in the 80s and in residency in the 90s, doctors didn't talk publicly about really anything. There was, you know, this idea that, that you're this kind of person in the office in the white coat that's kind of unapproachable, but you're nice to patients. And, you know, that's, that's how it has been for a long time. And uh, I think that it's obviously that is not the best way to serve a diverse population of people. And, and you have to have medicine has to reach people where they are. Oh, and I, my gosh. I, I say that you know, all the time that we have to meet people where they are. Where absolutely. They We're not good at that yet. You are. And you're setting that template for us. Well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, that's, that's really, you know, we, we, it is so hard to be ill and it is so hard to have, be worried about your body or worried about, you know, a diagnosis, whatever it is, or just getting your pap smear arranged. There's so many things that go in. And I think that we don't truly appreciate the power differential um, because we know all the words, right? So, you know, I can talk about almost any medical subject with you and you'll know what almost every word is, even if it's not your specialty and you'll have an understanding. Um, but we, we forget how little other people know because they, they don't. That's, you know, just like if a mechanic were to talk to me about a car, they could use all kinds of car-ish terms that I wouldn't know. Yeah, I could read an article on automotive repairs and I would have no idea if it's factual or not because I don't know anything about that. But I'm trusting that person. We have an opportunity to rebuild because we do have a track record of physicians who, like you said, right, the conflict of interest are apparent. The people who have a lot of visibility, it's unclear what their motivations are. You're very transparent about that. And that's helpful, and that helps to reestablish that trust. Yeah, I think also, too, I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of bias in medicine. And, you know, we've had, you know, a very narrow spectrum of voices until recently. Um, and, I mean, overall, like, researchers, doctors, like, like the whole thing, you know, from the top down. Is medicine's been very patriarchal um, and, and very sort of, like, white patriarchal. So it's this very narrow spectrum. And so I think that, you know, medicine is also in this time of great change. I mean, I think back to when I was a, a medical student, 50, maybe, maybe almost 50% of my class was women, maybe 40%. But I didn't meet a female surgeon. I didn't meet even a female OBGYN. I was delivered by a female OBGYN, funnily enough, back in 1966, which would have been uncommon. But it, it took a very, very long time for me to start to meet, you know, women that I would be able to sort of count as, you know, mentors. Uh, and so I think that this idea about how we need to communicate to people has been so hampered by just not having, having the diversity. Um, Cause if you're only speaking with one voice, it, it doesn't really appeal to many people. Does it? No. And I'll say that as a white male physician, <laughs> that what yeah. you're saying is, is right. And I'll ask because when I read the book, the Vagina Bible, which is amazing, and I think people are going to appreciate it on a lot of levels. I won't even dare to speculate what they will be, but I think that the appreciations will not be homogeneous. I think it will be a very heterogeneous mixture of things that resonate and are long-lasting. But for me, one of the things that I appreciated about it is there's a clear purpose and an energy in the writing it felt like it was easy to write and it may not have been. And I'm sure I, I know writing a book is really hard, but it felt like the central dogma, the messages, there's, there's a, there's a rhythm to it of how we present a problem, present a conversation, present solutions based on expertise and evidence mixed in with meeting people where they live, humor, anecdotes, sensitivity, cleverness, wit, it, it, it informs all of those things, that journey that you've been on. So what was it like for you? That's my perception of what it was like. <laughs> what was it like putting that all together to create this book? Well, I, thank you very much. That's very flattering. And um, a writer always likes to hear that it, it reads like it was easy to write because, you know, that means you made it, you know, it's like when you come in and have complex surgery and yeah. everybody's like, oh, that looks so awesome. And you're yeah. like, oh, it took like a lot of training to make it look <laughs> like that. Yeah. I mean, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, that's kind of, you really summed up just kind of how I, I feel like I kind of present myself. And I, I'm very, um, I used, when I first started writing, 
I was actually really terrible. And this uh, woman who is a writer was like, you have, you tell me these stories and they're so amazing. You talk to me for half an hour and all I want to do is hear you talk more and more about this medical subject. And then I'm writing this, reading this writing and like, what is this? Which was really harsh. And I thought, huh. <laughs> And I, and I, I thought, well, maybe I should just like write like I talk and, and I do give great grand rounds. Um, <laughs> and so I thought, you know, I, and the things that interest me are, I like to know a little bit of the history behind something because we all like to drop those like at dinner conversations or on an airplane. Oh, I heard the history of this or this cool little fact behind that. Um, people like a little humor. I really think it helps people remember things. Um, and people, you know, want some easy digestible facts. And I think my central belief is that most of medicine is not very hard. I mean, some of it is requires training to do well, but I'm talking about like the, like the basic biology or the basic science. And I really felt like if I could give somebody some of that in each chapter. So I sort of thought about how can I give somebody the basic biology in this chapter? How can I give somebody some of the history of how we got to this point? Um, how can I let people know kind of how doctors think about this? How can I let people know about the roadblocks they're going to hit and then kind of sum it up. Uh, and so I sort of viewed each chapter like that and some, you know, require maybe more humor or, or have less good information. So it required more like my personal experience or some chapters like, you know, urinary tract infections. We know a ton about that, um, but there's still lots of myths. So, so I think it was, you know, each, some of the chapters blended themselves or lent themselves to, to different, to emphasizing one or more of those aspects. You've made me smile because this was the second time that on my notes of things that I wanted to touch on, you pulled something word for word off my notes before I could say it. <laughs> so the, the first one was we have to meet people where they are. We have to meet people where they live. The second one is that you write like you talk. And that is exactly my take. You write just like you talk. You write just like you tweet. You write just like you present this stuff, I would imagine, at a Grand Rounds or when you've done a live podcast or something like that, or a live show, it, it's no different. And so that gets to something that I think also really resonates. And I would suggest probably underscores a lot of why so many people gravitate to this. It makes you authentic. Yeah, it I doesn't mean, come off as canned. It doesn't come off as contrived. It's you. You're an expert. We know yeah. that. You share that with us. So it comes off as being really authentic. Thank you. I mean, this is also how I talk to patients. I mean, I'm not I don't swear um, unless they start swearing first and, and then I might, <laughs> I might endorse that this is a, a safe zone to say those right, words. Right, right. Um, you know, so I take my cues from patients, yes. but, but I, you know, I deal generally with very, so, you know, sort of socially and sometimes medically complex subjects and socially for a variety of reasons because of how people have been disenfranchised or because I do a lot of work with chronic pain, you know, there's so much misinformation about chronic pain. So I spend a lot of time undoing misinformation from other doctors, from other health professionals, from the internet. Um, and, and also the problem with pain is your body isn't always telling you what you think it is. Um, that's part of the problem of chronic pain. So I think I sort of just developed out of necessity, the style of, 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 and, and of maybe giving people little bits of background. Well, this is why doctors think this. And, and, you know, obviously tailoring it to the person, but, but yeah, I think that a large part of my success is, is people feel that I am authentic and, and this is really who I am. I mean, I'm not, I don't have time to be somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I liked about it too, though, is that as you were saying, when you say this is how doctors think about approach, discuss a specific topic, when you're talking with one of your patients, you're, you're helping all of us. And that is something that I appreciated. That's something that I liked in the book too, is you present our profession in the way that the vast majority of us try to go about our business. We try to be informed. We try to present it properly and appropriately so we can come to shared decision-making. That's not necessarily the impression that people may have or how our profession is represented in popular press. So that's one of the most, for me at least, one of the most important counter voices that you present in this book. You're not banging that drum. You're doing it in a nuanced fashion, but you do it in that over and over approach, which is what we do every day. Yeah. I mean, I do believe that, you know, 
most doctors want to do the right thing. I believe most pilots want to do the right thing. Most teachers want to do the right thing. I believe most people want to do the right thing. But I also believe that there are forces that conspire against us and, and people can have bad days. And when you're a patient, that really sucks when you're on the other end. And, and the way to help all of that is information, right? If a patient has more information, they can advocate for themselves. If doctors have more information about what patients are thinking, then maybe they can tailor their approaches. If medical schools realize that we need to invest more in authentic communication, then maybe we can make it better. Um, And so sometimes I view myself kind of as medicine's coach and a coach sometimes is a cheerleader and a coach or sometimes like, Hey, this is where we need to be working harder. Um, Because I want to fill those gaps. You know, there are gaps in medicine and I love Ben Goldacre. You know, he's a physician from um, the United Kingdom and he has this great quote about kind of like pseudoscience and and I really, this is, I've taken this quote to heart is that, you know, if there's a problem with the airline industry, the answer isn't to invest in magic carpets. It's, it's a great take. I'm, I'm laughing because that's the third time. (laughs) So what I was literally just about to ask you is this idea and to discuss with you is this idea is that you are a coach and I just had an amazing session with one of my great mentors and my coach, Steve Beeson, and and I actually live tweeted a thread of him talking about the benefits of physician coaching. There's evidence in the most in JAMA from two weeks ago about physicians being coached. You are exactly doing that work. And so thanks for the third time you pulled something right off my notes, which you can't see. But I I also wanted to ask you, and you kind of got to this a little bit, you're helping us to rethink how we consider things. We, me as a physician, but also as a human being and a member of society, you mentioned Ben Goodacre. Who else do you look to? Who's helping you change the way you think? Who are the sources, the people, the personalities, the resources that you go to that are helping you to shape your worldview? You know, this is going to sound really weird um, or not, but I, I would give a huge shout out to Twitter. And I know people would be like, what? But so, you know, when you're a doctor and you're in the office, you do have this great power differential and the people who adore you tell you, right. And that's a small percentage, but the people who just like they're over the moon with your care and you hope it's a large percentage, but most people don't send thank you notes. Right. And most people don't send flowers, a small percentage do. And then you get, you know, whether you're press gainy or however else you're scored, you also get some very negative comments. So you kind of get you're exposed to these two ends of the spectrum. You've either done a horrible job or you've been the most amazing person in the world, but you don't get these voices that are sort of within the two standard deviations and Twitter. We're seeing all these feeds from all these different people talking about like how a doctor made them feel when they said this one thing or how upsetting it was to do this or how great this was or how much they appreciated this. It's sort of like these voices in the middle that we would never hear because people in the middle generally, you know, even when we're graded, right, you're either five star or, you know, you need to work harder. And so being exposed to sort of the vast I would say experience of being patients, the good and the bad, that has had a profound impact on me to see what people are really thinking. I appreciate you saying that because I've had a similar experience. I have learned so much. I've been active on Twitter for about a year and I've learned so much. I've connected with so many different people from such different backgrounds, you included. Before I really jumped into Twitter, I didn't know about Jen Gunter. I didn't know that. (laughs) you, I didn't know the columns that you were writing and I just, I didn't have that sense of experience yet. And it's been really valuable. So I want to talk, let's talk about some, let's do some Twitter chat. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But I just want to get that, that that also brings back diversity, right? Like getting those diverse voices because I've really made an effort to try to, you know, um, to follow as many people from, you know, different diverse backgrounds for different reasons, because it really opens your eyes in ways you couldn't have seen unless you were doing that. So you are, from my perspective, Twitter black belt level. 
<laughs> and I was, and I say that for a couple reasons. One, you put good content on Twitter, which is great, right? You give us good stuff. Here's a, hey, check out this link. This is a good article. Here's the trailer for Jen explaining my new show, <laughs> right? Here's, here's these cool things that are coming. So you feed us good content, things that we should be reading, things that are factual, things that are good. You are next level at Twitter engagement and debate. And I will tell you, I created the Jen Gunter Twitter response pyramid. <laughs> Can I tell you the Jen Gunter Twitter response yes, pyramid? All absolutely. Right. So the first level of this, I had to think about this because you engage a lot for a person mm -hmm. kind of at your level. You are in the trenches on Twitter, you know, dealing it out a lot and it's great. So the first one is engaging and debating. And I put that one because I remember the first time I tweeted something and you responded just out of the clear blue sky. And I got super nervous. I was like, oh no, I got to be good now because I've, <laughs> Jen Gunter's watching, Jen Gunter's reading. I got to, I got to be dialed in. What does it feel like when you're in that place of idea exchange, free idea exchange? That's, that's that first level that you're really good at. The second level is when someone puts a point out. And I learned this from you, and I'm getting much better at this. Your response, especially in that debate piece, is you go upstream of what they say because there's a factual error in what they wrote. And you'll say, your statement needs to be amended because X, this term that you used is actually not correct. And then we mm -hmm. go from there. And I really like that because if you allow that to move into the, into the narrative, now this error is in the narrative. Right, and you're exactly. very good at that. You're very astute at that. Third level uh -huh. is when, how are we doing so far? Is this resonating? Or are we, are yeah, we yeah. It's, it's, I'm, I'm fascinated. Okay. I'm, I'm just like, I'm, I, I, you're going to have to probably write this out for me. After. Okay. <laughs> Third level is the one that is exciting, which is when somebody says something, they say something that's wrong. They come at you hard. You, you can imagine, right? It's on all these different topics that you speak about. And your response is simply, that's wrong. I'm the expert. And here's why I'm the expert. And I love that. It is okay and it's important for people to know that expertise is earned and expertise on specific subjects wins. You know more than the vast majority of people on the planet, and I mean like 99.999% on vulvar and vaginal diseases because you are trained in it, you're experienced in it, two plus decades of hard work, research, collaboration, you're an expert. There are other experts too, but the majority of the people, when you put that term in there, they're not, that's okay. But it's okay for there to be that, as you mentioned, that power differential. So that's level three. Level four is my favorite. <laughs> level four is when somebody says something crazy and they say something mean, or it's an ad hominem attack, or it's just something that just doesn't, it's just not, it's just not part of rational discourse. And mm -hmm. so Apex Jen Gunter clapback response Twitter is when you just write fuck off. <laughs> and that's all they get. And I love that one. It's just, I love that you can just say, you know what? I'm, I have no time. This is all you get. Two words and I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that sounds all, all, all pretty right. That sounds being a very astute um, observer <laughs> of the Jen Gunter Twitter feed. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I had someone come at me today. Um, there's a horrible article that was published back in 2012, and I know about it because I wrote about it back in 2012, where a group of Italian OBGYNs rated women with endometriosis based on their attractiveness. And I'm not kidding you. And the study is horrific. It was approved by an ethics board. And I saw it when it first came out in 2012 and wrote about it on my blog and didn't get much traction, but I called it out for being the, the piece of shit that it is basically on so many levels. Yeah. And that article has somehow resurfaced today, not my, not my blog post, but the actual article and people are criticizing it. And all these people are coming out on Twitter saying that, Oh yeah, that Jen Gunter is not going to write about this. She only cares about celebrities. And and a whole bunch of people were coming at me saying that, you know, this is disgusting and this is my profession. And have you seen this article? And I'm like, dudes, <laughs> I fucking wrote about that. I'm way out in front of you, y'all. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, in, like, I'm open to criticism, but first of all, I mean, I, I can't oversee all of OBGYN, yeah, but yeah. oh my God, like, if you're going to come at me hard, you better be prepared. Yeah. Or you're going to um, get Apex Jen Gunter Twitter response. Yeah. And I mean, like how, how and, and a lot of these are sort of, some of them are like people that are 
say they're in medicine or aligned with medicine. And I'm just like, you know, go to my blog. If you want to know if I've written about something, it's not that hard. This is an important point though. This is an an important tension and, and people have brought this up. I like to bang on this drum of our best work for too long has disappeared into PubMed hell. But yeah. we're starting to have the same problem with our Twitter contributions, our social media contributions. There is a lot of recency bias. Your article's seven years old. It doesn't mean it's any less valid, but the chances that someone is going to be able to quickly access, surface, like they could something from three days ago, and we know that people are conditioned to just look for, you know, just look for the cream at the top, that is a challenge because that article, I'm going to go and look at your Twitter feed from 10 minutes before we started and, and, and find this article. But you and I could probably both say that we don't have a great tool to access the social media blog podcast contributions of an expert like you quickly. And that's going to be something that we all have to sort of figure out. How do we get that so that you can say, y'all, you have to do your research before you come at me. I've already written about this seven years ago. It's evergreen. This article's nonsense, and I covered that. We do also want to make sure people can, you know, Pez dispenser that article really quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I think it just comes back to, though, you know, one of the problems is that as you become, I guess, more famous, and I hate to use that word, but I mean, I don't really know what else to say, or in more in the public eye, yes. you know, people become more invested in yeah and say negative things about you. Um, And I'm not perfect. I'm the first to admit that. And I'm sure that I've said things I wish I hadn't. And um, when you produce a lot of content, that can happen. But you also have to give somebody the benefit of the doubt of the body of their work. And, you know, I think that the, the, the thing that bothered me the most about that attack was that I only write about celebrities. And that means that you've paid no attention to the body of my work at all. I mean, I've been attacked by super high up people in the Republican Party. I, you know, I, people forget like when uh, Trump was running for president, like way back in the before time (laughs) in in the, in the, in the, in the the prehistory of our world. Um, Yeah. I was the person who found the article where Ben Carson was on a paper about abortion. Right. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Ben Carson, abortions never indicated he was on a paper using aborted fetuses. Um, you know, he said it was never indicated for research. I found his article. I wrote about it. I've got the Washington Post calling me. I've got people harassing me. I've got to call the FBI. I've got all this stuff. Right. I'm just being completely attacked by all these right wing operatives because I, I dug up a factual paper about how Ben Carson's words don't match what he's written. And, and then people have the nerve to say, I'm only going after celebrities. You know, like I wrote about my son's death for the New York times to try to help people understand how cruel those infanticide claims are, you know, all the different things that I've written about. Um, it's just, it's so insulting for people to say that because I do write about celebrity culture because it matters because that's, that hurts people. And it, they, many celebrities are dumbing down medicine and they're making everybody poorer for it, whether it's because they're buying products they don't need or their, their health is becoming poorer or they're teaching people the wrong things about their bodies. Like the uterus has toxins, which it doesn't. That's the oldest patriarchal myth. So, so to say that, I'm only doing that means that that you have no investment in understanding anything about me. And so I have no time for you. And and that resonates and it shows. And I think that that's why that the, the Twitter response kind of strata that you use, I think are good. And, and you know, they're, it's kind of fun to think about, but they are applied properly. And, and one of the nuances of social media that I've learned is something that you use in real life. If you have a question for someone or if there's something that you're not sure of, start with the appreciative inquiry. Don't come at Jen Gunter saying, all you do is write about celebrities because this paper just surfaced and they can't find something you wrote about. Just start with the question. Hey, Jen, I just saw this paper. Is this something A, you're aware of? I would Have you ever written about it? Is this something that you might have an interest in writing about if you haven't yet? That gives you the opportunity to say, hey, look, I appreciate you reaching out. Actually, I did write about it. I wrote about it back in the day. It's just as good as the day I wrote it. Here's a link. Circle back after you're done reading it. That's discourse. That's that's narrative. That's helping people to learn. And that's proper engagement as opposed to just coming at you gun, guns blazing. Well, 
what are you supposed to do with that? Yeah, I mean, some people do that, but the problem is, is I also miss a lot of those tweets because well, I have two hundred thousand followers. I, I can't. I'm know. not saying you're responsible to reply to every single person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I know. But um, but it's, but it's, people think they are. People are like, I, I mean, this woman sent me this tweet yesterday, and she was, I messaged you three times on Instagram, and you haven't asked, answered me yet. I'm like, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, like I. It's not office hours. I mean, you know, <laughs> totally. Um, I, you know, it's 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 people. People can actually get hostile and yeah. um, that way. And and I appreciate that. I. But that's an interesting yeah. idea, though, of you doing like an office hours. Or have you ever done it? Like a have you done a Reddit? Uh, ask me anything. Have you ever done something no. like that? I, you know, um, I, no, because I don't understand the Reddit community. I'm not on Reddit. And I think um, to do an AMA there, you have to really understand how Reddit works. You have to pay. You have to understand the community you're working with. And that's just the same thing as meeting people where they are, yeah, right? Yeah. So, like, I understand the sort of most of sort of the socio-demographics or whatever, however, the best way to describe that, the ecosystem of Twitter, yeah. the Twitter ecosystem. And I'm getting a handle on the Instagram ecosystem and Facebook, but I'm I don't know anything about the Reddit ecosystem, and so I think it would be, um, I, I think it would be uh, egotistical of me to think that I could go onto Reddit and and function in the same way because I, I I don't know that community, um, so I can't meet them where they are. I I totally support that as someone who's slowly walking similar roads. I think just gathering expertise in one before you move to the next is 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 absolutely intelligent. You are about to move into something very different. You are at the same time going to have a book release and a TV show release. I know. This is going to put you in a really exciting place. You are going to learn this all very quickly, and my hope is that you'll circle back and teach us. But what what does that feel like? The Vagina Bible is coming out in a week and change, I think, and Jen Splaining is coming out shortly after. Yeah. You, you are going, you're, you're doing all the press tours, book signings, all of that stuff. That is a, also, that's a whole new world. It, it is. It is. It's, um, it's on one hand, I'm like, like, I, I don't even like believe it. I'm like, eh, you know, like, it's just so like, it's just so on one level, it seems so ridiculous yeah. to me that I, so I go through periods of time where I'm just like, whatever, I am like to sit Safeway doing my stuff. And, and then other times I sit about it and I'm like, wow, this is just like so unreal. Um, and then I think, you know, I worked really hard for this. I worked really hard to Good. build a platform and do it. And, and I, I deserve it. And I hope people like it and it speaks to people. Um, that's, I think, um, what I hope. And that I hope it encourages conversations and people learn more about their bodies and hopefully laugh. But it is so, I go through these different phases of thinking about it. Um, and uh yeah. And so it's, it's, it's just, yeah. So the book is coming out in Canada next week on the 20th. And then the TV show is going to drop on CBC gem on the 23rd. And then, um, the book in the States is coming out on the 27th and in, um, many other countries it's being published in the UK, New Zealand, Russia, the Czech Republic, Poland, Germany, Spain, Portugal, Greece, China, um, so yeah. <laughs> so saddle up because this is going to be nuts. You know, I mean, I just, um, I just, I, I hope people get information and they are able to use it, and that that no one ever feels ashamed about talking about their body parts. And yeah, so, but it is, it's, it's a, it's definitely an interesting ride, and um, and I hope I'm also enjoying as much of it as I can along the way. I am really looking forward to your reflections on the ride. It's going to be great to watch it all happen. I imagine you'll be tweeting and we'll get cool pictures on Instagram as you go and do book signings. I, you know, I've seen the book signings that you have coming up around the United States. I'm sure there'll be more. There'll be lots of cool interviews and reviews. I'm looking forward to the reflection, kind of not so much after the fact, but maybe down the road a little bit around, is it hard to stay authentic when there's this much scrutiny, when there's this much notoriety, when there's this much popularity, or is it easier? I'm just really interested to know what that evolution feels like for you, because this is so exciting. You've got this culmination of all this great stuff, and now it really gets rocket fuel. 
Well, I think it was hard um, initially, you know, with when you write, it's very easy to be your voice because that's why they hire you. Like your publisher's like, oh, we like your voice. We when you're, you know, we're interested. You 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 send them sample chapters. We like this voice. So staying authentic was very felt very natural with the book. With the TV show initially, because I'd had no experience working in television, although um, the people from the CBC said I was a natural, you know, they were a little bit, they were a little bit worried, you know, because they're like, oh my God, we're going to take this 52-year-old female doctor and put her on TV. And like, she's never done an acting class, you know, like in her life. Um, and, And after like the first half day, they were like, oh my God, you're a natural. That's so I was like, cool. Awesome. The trailer is awesome. <laughs> it's the yeah. Zuki line totally made me laugh. That was really good. There's a lot of ad living from me. It's me. Good. Um, yeah. But so it was one thing that was really interesting was, so I worked with two amazing women on the script, the scripts. And so I would send them content. And initially I think everybody thought I was just going to go from the script. And I said, no, that's not possible. This has to all be in my voice. So, because that's me, I can't do it any other way. I can't read someone else's words. It's not going to work. Um, and, and, and so they, what happened, we had this really great process. So I would tell them what I wanted to say. They would, they would sort of package it in a way that works best for TV. Like you would say, you would, you want to say this part here, this part there, this part here. And then I would take the scripts they gave me and then I would rewrite it all in my words. So it's, so it was me. It shows. I mean, I, all I got was the, the 90 second trailer, but it felt like that. It felt like, again, you write like you talk and then the, the, the trailer, which obviously they get to edit it and put it together however they want, but it still yeah. has that same sort of resonance, which is really exciting. Your task, though, is to get it to the United States because yes. I'm not going to get to see it. I know. I know. It's, um, yeah, apparently, um, yeah, it's it's being shopped around. Right, um, I think, uh, I think, I think that there's um, maybe a hesitation because I'm anti-celebrity culture. And so I think that maybe some um, streaming platforms are worried about that that um that that could have negative repercussions for them buying other shows um i don't know uh so it's it's interesting when you're when you're the person saying you know celebrity culture isn't exactly right sometimes that makes people listen in different ways but i'm you know i'm hoping that that somebody down here gives it a chance and uh wants to show it and there's lots of different avenues for that so, um, so fingers crossed. Totally. Yeah. And I know, so, that, you know, listening to the people that I listen to in kind of in the entertainment industry, it's clear now more than ever that content is king and the search for good content with all of the different platforms that are out there now, and they're all good platforms. I will just give it my full throated endorsement that this show mm-hmm. needs to be on one of the streaming platforms so that the public can access it and enjoy it in the United States. And that's, that's a, that's, that's. That's clear. I can't see a good counter argument. I hear what you're saying. I respect it. Content is king and this is great content. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's just a different industry. The other thing too is, and I totally get this. I mean, I'm, I'm a nobody in American television. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not anybody. I'm not, I, you know, the way shows get produced and, and put out here is, you know, people have come with their, you know, their TV chops and maybe they've written three or four scripts or they've been in a bunch of things. And so, you know, just like when I pitched my book, I'd written a book before I, you know, I had a, I had a large reach in writing. So, you know, it's, it's, you, you look at somebody from a, from a TV executive standpoint, I can see where they're coming from. Um, you know, I can totally see that, but, um, but they should, they should, they should get on the Jen Gunter bandwagon. I was going to say, they, they can like, see that and then they got to get over it. Yeah. And so, you know, hopefully if the show gets some good press in Canada when it comes out and then it'll get on somebody's radar. And I think that things have grown very well organically to this point. Yeah. So I think I just have to kind of let it go and trust in the process. Totally. And I I really hope the American market gets to see this and yep. the, you know, the market in the United Kingdom and Australia and New Zealand and everywhere else. I would love to be dubbed in as many languages as possible. That would be awesome. Um, that would give me great pleasure um, because, I mean, I built a 3D model of the clitoris on the show. That's just, that's going to be great. And you, for the fourth time, took something right off of my notes, which is... <laughs> Trust the process, right? Again, circling back to this authentic and thoughtful, mission-driven way that you've brought yourself to this point, 
you got to just stick with that. And it's going to, it's going to go where it wants to go. It's not going to be the perfect way you would script it. It's going to go in all kinds of different directions, but I think fundamentally it being the book, the TV show, but more so the mission to help people learn facts about subjects that are important to them in language and on platforms that they like, know, and understand that's going to go. That's what we need. That's what you're doing. And it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's, you can't, you know, this is actually a lesson that I learned from dating because, <laughs> you know, I've been single for a little while and I'm out there dating. You can't make people like you, you know, you can't, you, you can't force people to come to your content. All you can do is say, is try to deliver the best content or be the best version of you. Um, and, and hope that appeals to people. And, and so I, I think that's, um, it's a, it's a lesson kind of, um, it's an odd lesson and maybe that's not something to take away from dating. I don't know, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I sort of, you know, you, you do put yourself out there and you just kind of have to wait and see in many ways. And so, yeah, so I think content is a lot like that too. And, you know, kind of just going from there and I do hope it, it does take off, but, um, I've, I've, I got some other projects. I was going to say, there's more to come for sure. And that's when you're going to have to come back on the show. But I can say this, I have followed your content in the New York times and on Twitter and it's the right work. You were were kind enough to send me a galley copy of the book. I've read it. I got the opportunity to blurb it and was proud to do so. The book is awesome. The book is important. It's unique. It's in your voice. It's the right work. The TV show, look, I have a trailer to go off of, but if it's anything like the Jen Gunter universe, it's going to be a really important piece of the puzzle. This whole process that you're on, this whole pathway that you're on is really exciting. I would submit for all of us, and it's great to watch it go, and this was amazing to discuss it with you. So thank you so much for sharing all of this, for doing all of this hard work, and for for getting out there with it. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I just want people to have good information and to, you know, be less scared about things or, or to be scared when they should be, or, you know, have, have good information to act on when they have that. And, um, yeah, I just, I'm just trying to think about how I, how I can make things better, um, a lot based on, you know, my own experiences. So I'm glad that's resonated with you. Absolutely. It's a great mission. I know that the demands on your time with all of this are extraordinary. And the fact that you would take time to come on, explore the space is also very meaningful, really appreciated. So thank you very much for coming on. Oh, thank you. Have a great podcast. It's really good. And you get some great guests and you guys talk about a lot of really interesting things. So thank you for, for, for doing this. That's kind of you to say, I appreciate it. And I look forward to having you back. All right. Thanks. Yeah. Happy to be back anytime. Maybe we can do it in person sometime. That would be amazing. Good luck (laughs) on the tour. Good luck with all of what's to come for the rest of 2019 and into 2020. And we will be following. Thank you so much, Jen. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.